Ho, ho, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the second official podcast, Faith and the Outdoors. I am being joined by Santa Claus today. Just kidding. No, um, those of you who are watching on video see that I have a bearded man sitting next to me. This is Dan Dye. I know Dan as a fellow parishioner at St. Jude Catholic Church in Cedar Rapids. So uh, we attend usually the 1030 Mass. And Dan is the opposite of your, um, what a lot of people would perceive as a Catholic who very often Catholics go in and they sit in the back row. Not Dan and his family. They come in and they go right up to that front row because they're going to be paying attention and um, really worshiping God. So, Dan, thank you for your witness, and thank you for joining me on this podcast, Faith in the Outdoors. Um, So um, do you have anything you want to say before I say anything else, Dan? We like sitting in the front row because we have small children, and Mm. then they can see and hopefully pay attention and... Thank you for sharing that. Oh, you yeah. know what? I have this little button here. Um, people are cheering right now. I um, I have this little, you know, oh. podcast mixture here, and I uh, I uh, just you can't hear it because it's you only oh. you can only hear it in these headphones right now. But okay. anyway, everyone just cheered for you, Dan, because oh, you're amazing. You. All right, guys, listen. So here I am. It's my second official podcast, and already I have to break from my uh, structure that I wanted to uphold. So generally with this podcast, I want to talk about a faith-related topic for 30 minutes and an outdoor-related topic for 30 minutes. Well, Dan and I were just out back. I'm going to pick this up for those who are watching the video. We were just setting up this Dragon 10 compound bow for Dan. This is going to be Dan's first year, I guess, bow hunting for Mm -hmm. deer, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. So he was out there shooting a compound for the first time. And you know what? He was slapping some arrows by the time we were done there. So I think there's some good potential in the future here for Dan and not such a good potential for the deer in the area. I'm just going to set this down out of the way for right now. But anyway, uh, because of that, we were doing that, and I have to pick up my kids from school in about 45 minutes. Actually, his kids go to the same school, although yours are within walking distance and mine are not. So I'll be (laughs) going to pick those guys up. And uh, so we have about 40 minutes, 45 minutes to work with. So I won't, you know, stick to things real hard as far as 30 minutes, 30 minutes. But I do want to talk about a faith-related thing and then some more about the outdoors. But as always, we're going to begin with a prayer. And uh, if you missed the last episode, I did mention the sign of the cross. So it is a standard Catholic tradition to begin prayer with the sign of the cross. And you don't have to be Catholic to sign yourself with the cross of Christ. What we do, and Dan and I are Latin or Roman Rite Catholics, there are many different rites in the Catholic Church, which not everybody realizes, Um, but in the Roman Catholic Rite that we participate in, we touch the left shoulder before the right shoulder when doing the crossbar of the cross. So we begin by touching our forehead and saying, in the name of the Father, and then we touch our about you know stomach area whatever in the name of the Son, then the left shoulder and the Holy Spirit right shoulder. Amen. Uh, a lot of our Eastern rites will touch the right shoulder before the left. There is no it, there is no right or wrong. It's simply um, just a different way of doing it. And um, but the point is to seal yourself yourself 
with the cross of Christ and bring to mind each person of the Blessed Trinity while entering into prayer. So now that I've talked through that, just once again for those, because I do have a lot of listeners who are not Catholic, not familiar with Catholicism, which is one of the reasons I'm doing this podcast, um, I just want to help introduce that to you. So let's do it again. In the name of the Father, Um, and of the the Son, Son, and of the Holy Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Lord, Father, we turn to you in the name of your Son, Jesus, and through the power of your Holy Spirit. And we ask you to bless this podcast. Let it be a source of inspiration and growth for people in their faith journey closer to you. Lord, let this be a cause of growing closer to you. And if it's not, Lord, show us the way to help it be a cause of growing closer to you. We pray this in your son name, your son Jesus' name, and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Now, I want to address something real quick before I kind of get into the topic I was hoping to address today. Dan, I got a comment on the last video slash podcast um, asking, what is the new evangelization? Because I'd mentioned the new evangelization. And that is part of why I'm doing this. So for those who are not familiar, I just want to quickly tell them that, Dan. So the new evangelization has been um, promulgated by the Catholic Church for, for decades, decades, and especially since the Second Vatican Council, which closed you know, in the late 1960s, early 1970s is when we saw those documents being you know, promulgated, published, and promoted, things like that. So really, you know, in a major way, since the 1970s, the, the new evangelization has been called for by the church, especially the late, great Pope John Paul II, Saint Pope John Paul II. He's the one, I think, who coined the phrase new evangelization, um, if I remember correctly. But what is it? So the new evangelization is a call for all Catholics, all Catholics, every single one, to spread the teachings of Jesus, which would be the ancient teachings of the Catholic Church, but in a way that will inspire people in the new culture that we live in, the current culture that we live in. It's, a, it's basically um, us seeking for ways to inspire fallen away Catholics to come back to the church. It's a way to inspire and educate non-Catholics to give them an opportunity to see the truths that we hold dear and give them an opportunity to potentially choose them for themselves. So that is just a basic understanding of what the new evangelization is. So throughout this podcast, I will be bringing bringing forward ancient teachings and traditions of the church and presenting them to the world. In, sometimes in, in maybe in new ways than they've been in the past, which is what the church is asking for. In fact, the very, the very fact that I am doing a Catholic uh, religious podcast to a largely outdoor hunting-related audience is a perfect example of the new evangelization. It's me bringing the message of the church to uh, an area of interest, people who are interested in hunting and archery who may have not ever heard it otherwise. Folks, you are experiencing right now the new evangelization. That is what's happening. So thank you for letting me share that real quick, Dan, before we get into the topic. So 
One of the things I was hoping we could talk about, and I should have probably prepped you, like, here's some, <laughs> here's some questions I'm going to give you, Dan. Uh, I didn't do that. Hmm. So Dan's going to be... That's okay. He's going to be turning red um, and be putting on the spot for I'm those already warmed up from <laughs> shooting, so... So, um, okay, so um, I... A lot of what I wanted to focus the, these first two podcasts on is the element of community, okay? Mm -hmm. And especially church community. So there's a lot of Christians who are in the world who love Jesus. They love God, and they also don't think that you need to go to church. They, mm -hmm. they think, I can go, I can read my Bible on my own. I can talk to God on my own. I can go out and, and pray in the woods, and, and we have a relationship. And that's great, but it's actually not what God is, is asking of us. God is actually asking of us to be part of a church community. And I read this scripture in, in the beginning of the last podcast because it was the scripture from that previous Sunday. And I just wanted to reiterate it here because it brings forth this idea of the importance of the church. So let me read this real quick. It's from the Gospel of Matthew. Those of you who like to look things up, we're going to be looking at the Gospel of Matthew chapter 18, starting in verse 15. It says, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have won over your brother. If he does not listen, take one or two others along with you so that every fact may be established on the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell the church. If he refuses to listen even to the church, then treat him as you would a Gentile or a tax collector. Let me just read that last part again. If he refuses to listen even to the church, then treat him as you would a Gentile or a tax collector. So those of you who love Jesus... Jesus is calling us to culpability and uh, what's it? Um, what, basically, he's calling us to take responsibility for our actions. Sometimes we need to be called out on those. And sometimes God even uses the church as the de deciding factor. Mm -hmm. He doesn't say go to your local government. He doesn't say go to other family members or friends. He says, take that matter before the church. So I'm asking you, those of you who don't think you need to go to church, what is the church saying about you not going to church? Are you listening to that? And if not, God, is act God, Jesus is actually telling us to treat you as a Gentile or tax collector, which I don't really want to do right now. I want to call you back. That's what this is. It's an invitation to listen to the teachings of Jesus anew and in a way that hopefully will inspire you. So um, I'd probably so, say like <clears throat> through love, like Jesus showed love to those people. You know, we're all sinners, he, right. but he loves you. Right. He would bring those tax collectors, those and, you know, yeah. non-believers, bring them yeah. in. They're the ones so, he went to. Yeah. Yeah. And the Pharisees so. had a big issue with that. But so, mm -hmm. so yes. So I just want to encourage everyone to think about this now. What? Why? Let's ask the question. Why would God call us to a church community? Now, last episode, Dan hasn't even heard the last episode yet because I haven't even put it together and published it. So, um, so Dan, in the last episode, I brought up the example of Thanksgiving dinner. Mm 
You know, let's yeah. say you had nine nine seats at the table. You invited nine family members, and let's say only five of them came. And so there's four empty seats. Now, everyone listening, think about those four empty seats. And think about not only is the seat empty, but so is a little piece of our heart. Mm-hmm. And we need each other. And this, this uh, our hunting experience so far this year, which we haven't hunted yet, but you preparing for it is an example. You kind of needed me to help get this mm-hmm. bow set up for you so you could get out there hunting. There's things that yeah. you can do. Like, I need you because our kids are in scouts, and I don't know what I'm doing in scouts. And so, like, I'm looking to Dan, like, Dan, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> so he's like a scout leader and all that. So the point, though, is I need you. You need me. We need the community. Yeah. We met because of church. Dan, I wouldn't know you if we didn't go to the same church. You know what yeah. I mean? I I went to the church, and I saw this big dude <laughs> in the front. With Probably. a family, you know, and I have a family. With a, and I was like, man, with a I, small circus around me yeah. as, as I'm telling kids to be quiet and pay attention. Yep. And, <laughs> and I had the circus going around me at the same time. So um, so that's the point of community is, is not only do we need each other, God calls us to that because he made us to need each other. And if you're not there, our hearts are a little bit empty. You know what? I need you. Those of you who are listening, I actually need you. I am a broken human being that cannot function with with complete fullness if I don't have my community with me. So when I go to church and I see half of the pews empty, my heart's hurting. So those of you who think I don't need to go to church because I don't get anything out of it, well, I'm inviting you to not think about just yourself for a minute and think about us who need you. Like there, there's gifts there's, and talents that you have to bring. There's, you know, by not being there, you don't know what you're missing out on. And we don't know what, what we're, we're missing out in you. Exactly. You know, there's, there's that peace and you don't know what you don't know until you're right. Until you're, until you're here. Yeah. So. And so, you know, and I, and I say what I'm about to say with gentleness and love, but actually the whole mentality of I don't need to go to church, I got my Bible, I can read it. Those are actually some of the things that came out of the Protestant Reformation, which actually take people away from God's plan. I mean, there's a lot of good, a lot of great Protestants out there who love Jesus, but they don't have the fullness. You may have heard that before. They don't have the fullness because they don't have the fullness of truth. And here's an example. Like some of those core doctrines that came out of the Reformation were all you need is faith alone and scripture alone. Now that becomes a very self-sufficient religion. You don't need anybody else because you have your own Bible. You have your own faith. You don't need me. You don't need that person. And really that's what they needed to convince themselves of if they were going to break away from this teaching structure that Jesus established Hey, I don't need that. I can do this on my mm-hmm. own. Well, we can't. We can't. And so I'm inviting people to think of this anew. Think about not just yourself for a minute, but all the people who are sitting in church, who will be sitting in church this coming Sunday and wishing you were there because you matter, you're important. Mm-hmm. I mean, every one of us brings something to the table. 
pun intended, we're coming to the table, the altar, it's an altar of sacrifice, but also a table to gather around for a sacred meal. So anyhow, Dan, um, you and I both have wives who are now Catholic, but previously were not. And so I want to talk about that for a minute because both of us have been enriched by their background. Mm -hmm. And I, I want to bring this out because I want to make it clear that I don't have anything against a non-Catholic Christian. I don't want it to sound that way because you have a lot of gifts and talents and you have a lot that you bring to the table that enrich us. So please don't get the wrong idea. I just want to invite people to the fullness. But let's mm -hmm. talk a little bit about some of the things that have enriched us that our wives have brought to our relationships. You want to share a little bit? Because I know we kind of, you mentioned a little bit earlier yeah. when we were putting the bow together. Yeah, there's, I mean, I'm a better man because of my wife. Amen. I mean, um, but there's parts of me that, you know, I'm strong at. And then, you know, it's a smaller community. We're talking about a large family. community. Yeah. We're talking about now a smaller community of family. So, um, you know, maybe where I'm strong, uh, she's weak and I'm helping lift her up and vice versa. And so, um, especially like, I'm going to say I'm not as, um, practiced in the Bible as she mm -hmm. is. So working with our children, she's able to, you know, teach them and bring them up more in, you know, knowledge in the Bible. And, uh, I'm coming along, you know, I'm yeah. learning as well. So yeah. it's, it's one of those, like, um, you know, your faith may be strong, mm. but like your Bible education, mm. we'll say is, is not, is not as strong. So it's mm. bringing, bringing me up and the children. So, so I, I wanted to give you a book today and I wasn't sure which one to give you, but I'm going to give you this archery book that I just wrote called become a better archer and use it to avoid sinning. Yes. And the reason why I want you to have this is because I actually put a chapter in here that goes in depth in Scripture on foundational teachings of Catholicism that I think you would enjoy because he's speaking as a lot of Catholics. We, we haven't always had the best um, scriptural background that we knew yes. of. Like we hear, we hear four Scripture passages proclaimed to us at every Mass when we go on Sunday. Um, and so we are hearing tons of scripture and actually all of the prayers really are formulated around scripture passages. So we're either hearing scripture directly mm -hmm. read to us, proclaimed to us, or we're hearing it embedded in the prayers. Um, but we haven't been as versed as far as picking up the Bible, going to a specific book and a specific verse and being able to talk on that. So anyway, this book here, I, I quote a tremendous amount of scripture and the catechism as well. And I think you would enjoy that. And there's probably some tips in there for Archer now that you're a brand new Archer. Yes. Uh, which we will talk some more yes. about in a little bit. But I think you'll enjoy that. Thank you very much. Yeah. So, um, so guys, I, I, I appreciate you sharing that, uh, Dan, because um, I want everyone to realize that um, we're, it's all about a faith journey. And we're all hopefully growing in the journey. And um, our wives are in that journey with us. They're enriching us. And they've come along in their journey as well. And so there may be some people listening right now who realize, I need to get back to church. Especially those of you who hunt. If you're out there on a Sunday morning and nothing's working out, you're seeing nothing, 
you know, maybe God's trying to say, hey, look, if you put your life in order, put me first, everything else will come into place. And in fact, that is a scripture passage. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you besides. And folks, you can't even see all the antlers on the wall behind us that God has blessed me with. And he's blessed me with many of them because I, I'm striving to put him first. You won't see me in the woods on Sunday morning because you're going to see me in mass at church. Or you will see me there Saturday evening. If it's going to be raining all day Saturday and not on Sunday, I'm going to put the Lord first, but I'm going to put him the day for the day before. Because just like in the, um, the Jewish tradition, we begin to celebrate the Lord's Day sundown the night before, which is when the Sabbath began, sundown the night before. So we continue that tradition. And for those who don't know, the reason why the Catholic Church instituted Sunday as our sacred day as opposed to Saturday is because Jesus rose from the dead on Sunday and created a new life, a new creation. So we celebrate the eighth day, not the seventh day, but the new beginning, the new birth in Christ in the resurrection. That is why, my friends, Christians who follow that tradition is because the Catholic Church started that way back in the beginning, uh, with the, even at the time of the apostles. So um, anyhow, uh, Dan, I'm just going to take a peek at the time. Okay. We're going to see, do you think there's anything that's on your mind right now, faith-related, that we, we should talk about before we transition a little bit into our outdoor topic for today? I would say, <clears throat> because we all lived through this last few years, and I think some of the, the restrictions and the closures and things, mm -hmm. I think that definitely kind of put a hindrance on people attending church. Yeah. And I know um, for my family, we're, we're doing a lot of online watch, but it's not the same. Yeah. It's not the same. It's, you know, you're watching and you're not getting that community. You're, you're distracted by things in your house. You know, the kids are wanting to play mm -hmm. or they're wanting to eat. And you're like, no, we're trying to watch mass here. Yeah. And it's just not working out. So being, being at church, you're getting the full experience, the community, mm -hmm. um, you know, that church family. Everything. Right. So. And I'm so glad you brought that point up. Here's an example of me needing you as far as bringing up a point that I wouldn't have thought of. So thank you for that. So this is an no. example of the importance of community. But I also want to mention on that, there's a lot of people out there whose feelings were hurt with churches closing. Mm -hmm. You know, it was done to try to protect, but people had their feelings hurt. They wanted to be able to be a church, and they were told, no, you can't come here. And so I know there's a lot of people out there who were hurt by that or something else. I mean, there's a lot of things that can go on that can hurt somebody's feelings, like somebody from the church hurt their feelings for this, that, or the other thing. Mm -hmm. And so there's a wound there. Yeah. And I am not the healer Jesus is. And Jesus, I would encourage you to take that to Jesus and say, Lord, this has hurt me. I'm asking you to heal me. Jesus is the healer. So I want you to be healed so that you can feel like you can come back to church. Because some people maybe yes. aren't coming because they still feel hurt and no one has addressed that. Yeah. And I am sorry for that. And I'm sorry if no one has individually reached out to you. But please don't let that yeah. keep you from 
the community, we need help. The community yeah. needs help. And maybe you need to go back and say, hey, I haven't been back to church because my feelings were hurt and no one has bothered to reach out to me. You know, in a time where, you know, people were confused, afraid, you know, they were worried about family members mm-hmm. and everything. Time where you needed the community and the church, you know, and then that that was like pulled away from you a little bit or, you know, you were in a place where you couldn't couldn't attend. It it made it tougher, you know. Yeah. So Yeah. Yeah. So I want to thank you for pointing that out. And you know what? While I was talking a second ago, I left this on the table here. And those of you who are just listening, I just picked up a bottle of holy water. Now, those of you who are actually watching this video right now, you'll see that I freshly painted the studio. So all these deer heads, I had to take them off the wall. This whole room, there's a lot. I got bear rugs on behind the camera. I've got stuff hanging on that wall. There's stuff in cubbies. I mean, this, this room is jammed with stuff. And I emptied the room to paint it all. And I'm in the process of bringing it all back. This room's a mess. It's an absolute mess. I'm sorry, Dan. Um, (laughs) We have, we talk about this. You have kids, I have kids. It's a controlled chaos. Yes. But anyhow, having a house. (laughs) While I was moving things around, I came across this bottle of holy water and I thought, you know what? I want to mention holy water today because there's a lot of people who, who don't know why Catholics do what they do and don't know what the significance of some of this is. So, I just want to mention holy water. So I have a little bottle of holy water. I actually keep one in the car as well. If I'm ever in on driving down the road and there's an accident and someone is on the verge of death, if they're not baptized, you can ask them, do you want to be baptized into mm-hmm. Christ? Um, I have this bottle of holy water in the car so that I have what I need to be able to baptize. And so I can baptize them in the name of the Father and then of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And they can be freed from sin by the power of God. Because Jesus said in Matthew, excuse me, Mark 16, 16, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. So there's a dual component to salvation that Jesus himself has given us, is that we want to, he wants us to believe and be baptized. And and St. Peter also mentioned this in 1 Peter uh, I think it's like something like 319, somewhere around there. He says, um, he was talking about the flood at Noah's time. And he said, you know, the, there was eight people saved through the water. He says, this prefigured baptism, which saves you now. He was, mm-hmm. he was re-articulating this teaching of Jesus. So anyway, baptism is what Jesus uses to wash away all sin. And that is what makes us righteous in his eyes. It's a free gift of grace that he gives through baptism. Those are his teachings. And you can find that in his word in the scriptures, Mark 16, 16, for example. He also says it in John 3, 5, I believe. Whoever, uh, unless you're born of water and the spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom. So anyway, these are the teachings of Jesus. And there's a lot of great Christians out there who do not think you need to be baptized. That's actually incorrect. Your faith alone does not save you. It's faith in the teachings of Jesus and in Jesus. And his teaching here is to believe and be baptized. So anyhow, um, so I carry this holy water. But the reason I carry the holy water or the reason why I have this holy water in the house and why I wanted to mention it is because um, blessed holy water, the reason 
when we call it blessed, it means it's set apart, set aside for a special purpose. And so we can actually bless with holy water. And in fact, when we go into the church, we dip our hands in holy water and we say a prayer. I say a prayer, may this holy water and the, the grace of Jesus Christ basically remit any venial sins that I have. So um, the power of holy water has been articulated by saints like um, St. Teresa of Avila. She said there is nothing on earth that the demons are more afraid of than holy water. And I can say from personal experience that holy water does make them go away. And those of you who have children who have, the children have nightmares. Hey, sometimes those nightmares are the result of, hate to say it, but evil spirits. Evil spirits can come lurking around and pester us and we can have nightmares from it. I get out the holy water and I periodically do this. I go around the room and I pray and bless the room with the holy water the children go to sleep like a rock because the grace of God has pushed away the evil because holy water is a remembrance of our baptism, which frees us from sin. So it has spiritual power. Jesus, oh, I, I, I'm going to go launch in here. I got I to gotta, I gotta pull myself back. Otherwise, we'll, we'll never get to the outdoor stuff. Okay, so I've introduced the idea of holy water. If anyone has more questions Email them to me, and I will elaborate on that. But I want to tell you that there is real spiritual power in holy water. And if you're sitting there disbelieving, let me ask you a question. If holy water forces the evil one to evacuate, who is going to want you to think holy water does nothing? Who? It's going to be the evil mm -hmm. one. If you don't believe me, Go to a Catholic church and ask them for a little bottle of holy water. Treat it with respect because it is blessed by the, and the grace mm -hmm. of God is with it. But bring it to your house. And the next time you sense evil in your house, because some people have sensed that because evil has passed mm -hmm. by, or the next time a nightmare has been had by even a child, get the holy water out, walk around the room, and if the only specific prayer you know is the Lord's Prayer, Pray the Lord's Prayer as you sprinkle and ask for the Holy Spirit to come anew and push away the evil. And now it's the grace of God that's doing it, and he does so through his instruments like this. Then you come back and tell me if there's nothing going on with holy water. Okay, but test it first. Okay, I am so sorry. We have about 10, 15 minutes. I want to get into uh, talking about the great outdoors and thank you all for tuning into this podcast. I'm so excited to share these things with you. Now, Dan, uh, tell us a little history of your hunting background real quick. Um, being in Iowa, I've done more of the traditional shotgun season here. And if you're not, I don't think they do it a lot of other places this way, but, you know, you're driving deer, you're pushing deer, heads to a blaze of orange so you don't, you know, everyone sees you and. I think uh, most like state, that. most gun hunters, they, yeah. I mean, most states have a version of people yeah. doing drives. I know Pennsylvania was, it was very <laughs> common there. Yeah, I know, like, I want to say Nebraska, you know, they're like, you use a shotgun for deer? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, and they use high-powered rifles. So, yeah. um, so kind of traditional shotgun uh, here in Iowa. Um, last year, I got an opportunity to go uh, down to Texas and went, 
man, hog hunting. Um, you know, got a, I'm going to say a medium to smaller hog. Um, Delicious. Yes, yes. Uh, and, you know, it was a lot of fun. It was yeah. a learning experience. Yeah. So um, last year during uh, the shotgun season, I, you know, I ended up um, doing a straight walled cartridge rifle. Um, trying that out and then sitting, not not driving deer, and right. so kind of a kind of a path more towards like you know I was trying to watch my um, scent yeah. and things like that. That I you know when you're driving deer, you want to be li- you're you're crunching through yeah, the you're, timber. You're trying and, to make noise then. Yeah, you know, and you're you're trying to spook deer out right. of things. So a little bit different, and so um, of course. You know, the second season, it was just wicked cold. And I was like, maybe we should try a bow. Mm-hmm. You know, I was talking with my friend at, like, lunch or wherever. We're, we're finishing up for the day or whatever. And I was like, I'm freezing. I have, like, every bit of winter clothes on me and sitting. And, you know, I was in a blind and it was blocking the wind. It was still cold, yeah. you know. Yeah. You can have the greatest boots and you got hand warmers and yeah. you're, still, you're still cold. Yeah. So we were like, well maybe give it a try and so um i'm excited you know yeah. and to, then let's you know. let's talk about some community here even like so my wife one day said that she was i don't know talking with your wife mm-hmm. and mentioned i guess you were trying to find some of my videos to figure out could you convert this old um bow fishing bow into a hunting bow yeah. And when I when I heard so through the grapevine, I'm like, you tell her to tell him <laughs> to get in touch with me and stop doing that and get in touch with me. So basically, um, oh, at, yeah. after I heard what you were dealing with, I'm like, no, Dan, we're gonna get you set up. So now he's got the uh, the new Dragon Ten right here, which I'm holding up if you're watching the video. So he's this is gonna be his his bow this year, and uh, we just got it set up today, but. Um, but it comes back to community. This yeah. is my, this is my brother in Christ in my parish, and so is so is Tom, the guy who I, was in the last episode who I set up with a Dragon X8, and mm. the only reason why I gave him a Dragon X8 instead of a Dragon 10 is because I only have the long draw version. Dan has a long draw, and Tom's is just a little bit shorter than the shortest setting. Otherwise, I would have gave him a Dragon 10. But he, we actually, he was here getting set up when Dan showed up today and guys, Tom is hitting on mm-hmm. point, man. We got him dialed in. We uh, oh, yeah. did a little tweaking to get the broadheads hitting like the field points, but Tom's ready to go, man. Season starts in a week. Dan was today was his very <laughs> first day. So Dan's got a little more work. And yep. what, what I want Dan to do is do some shooting this week. And then when we get a little closer, I want to do some fine tuning. So one of the things I did with um, Tom is we got them sighted in at 20 yards, and then we did walk-back tuning. Those of you who are not familiar with it, haven't seen my videos, I probably have a video on it somewhere, but it's also talked about in my archery book. Basically, walk-back tuning is you you um, have a dot at the top center of your target, and you put you aim, you aim you sight your bow in at 20 yards first. Then you put your 20-yard pin on that dot, and you shoot. Hopefully, you hit the dot. Then you walk back to 30 yards, Put your 20-yard pin on that same dot, and you shoot again. Then, if your target's big enough and your bow's strong enough, you could walk back to 40 yards and take another shot. 
If not, you could stop at like 35. Do the same thing, 20 yard pin on that dot. Now, if your arrow rest is off or maybe you need to do some cam lean type stuff, if you got yokes or whatever, or you need to do any shimming of the cams, any of that kind of stuff will be revealed here because what will happen is your, your arrows will begin to drift to one side or the other the farther back you go. Now, if you put a broad head on, let's say your arrows drift, by the time you're at 40 yards, your arrow drifted four inches to the left of the center line, like if you drew a center line right down the middle of the target. If you put a broad head on, and if it's a fixed blade especially, that's going to catch wind, and that thing is going to plane. You're not even going to hit the target. That thing is probably going to smash into something off to the side. So anyhow, uh, we did walk back tuning with Tom, and we got him dialed in. And then we had him shoot a broadhead, and his broadhead hit, I forget if it was, I think it was slightly low compared to the field point, maybe three, four inches low, which meant we had to move the arrow rest up a hair. We moved it up a hair, and bam, he was mm -hmm. the, right on the money. So we, we've got a week left. Tom's ready to go. So we're going to do that with you. You're going to get out shooting, and then you're going to bring your bow back. Mm -hmm. We're going to do some walk-back tuning once you get um, your muscles in, in condition yep. a little yep. bit. And then we're going to do with the broadheads and make sure you're ready to go. My plan is to take you guys out. I'm hoping to sit with you guys. I mean, obviously, yeah. you're going to be going out on your own and stuff. But I'd love to try to get it, get you guys on film, mm -hmm. see if we can get you deer on film. Oh, yeah. So, um, so Dan, what are, your, um, what are your thoughts going into this archery season? You got any questions or concerns or things you're particularly looking forward to? Well, <clears throat> earlier you were talking about smoking your clothes. Yeah. And I... You know, I knew, knew uh, archery and, and uh, deer season, you really had to worry about the smell and being winded. Scent elimination, and, yeah. yeah. So I thought that was a really good tip. I don't know if you want to, if you've probably talked about that before. Sure, yeah. So um, this morning I went out into the urban zone. The urban zone here in Iowa is special regulation, so it starts two weeks early. And I hunted this one property um, once this year, and the the wind was just swirling. I knew the deer were winding me, even though I tried to eliminate all the odor. But while I was there, I was smelling people who had campfires in their backyard and stuff. And I have smoked my clothes in the past. And so I was like, you know what? This time I'm going to smoke them. So I have a beehive smoker. And I think I got the thing for like 15 bucks, 12 bucks off of Amazon. And what I do is I just actually shove a little crumpled up paper in the bottom and I put some wood chips on it. Or today, I actually just used twigs. I just grabbed some dried, dead twigs, threw them in there, lit it, and I just let it burn until the twigs were on fire, and then I closed the lid. And that kind of snuffs a little bit, and all the smoke starts pouring out. So I have a few nails. I have a, a you know, second-story deck, so you walk out of the basement under the deck. So I have some nails. I hang my outfit on the nails. And then I just smoke the clothes. I just let the smoke get all over it. So then your, your clothes smell like campfire, like smoke. Mm -hmm. And deer, especially in the urban zone, they don't always associate that smell with danger, with a hunter. And so I almost got away with it. There was a doe coming in on the downwind side of me this morning, and she got to within bow range before I even knew she was there. I didn't expect her to come from the downwind side. But then we had a gust of wind, all these acorns started raining down making tons of noise and she spooked and ran about 20 yards and stopped to me that means she did get a whiff of me she wasn't totally spooked she mm -hmm. wasn't totally sure what was going on but um 
you know, if, if I hadn't done that, she probably would have bolted. I, would, I never would even saw her. Mm-hmm. But then she stood there for about a few minutes, and she was about seven yards over the property line, and I was like, Lord, I'm, I'm going to be ethical here. If, if, if this is the right deer for me, let her step back over onto this side. And she didn't. And, um, and then she ended, and we had another gust, and more acorns rained down, and this time she spooked and ran and snorted up through the woods. The smoking of my clothes, I think, helped. I mean, but we're talking about deer here, and it's almost impossible, really, to evade their sense of smell. I mean, you can do it, and I've done it at times. Um, everything has to work in your favor for that to work out. And so, um, anyway, yeah, thanks yeah. for bringing that up, Dan. Uh, any other thoughts going into this season that you're... Um, I know you've been giving me tips mm-hmm. as we've talked and you don't know, like broadheads and, yeah. uh, you know, I don't have a ton of time to practice between now and the start, but, you know, I was going to use those, um, rage yeah. hy- hyperdermic, yeah. which, you know, hopefully don't work like a, uh, like a fixed type. Right. So, you know, I was like, okay, you know, it'll be closer to what I'm practicing right. with and, and some of that. So. Yeah, and I have, um, Rage used to make a practice tip. I don't know if they still do, but um, I kept mine from forever ago. So my plan was to have you um, practice with that when we're close to make sure. Because even though you're using an expandable, it is possible for them them to fly a little different than a field point. And I've learned that using the practice point. Because sometimes I've tuned up some bows and it still needed a little fine tuning that you don't necessarily Mm -hmm. see by just shooting... A field point arrow so um so i got that so when yeah. you get when we get to that point i'm going to have you shoot the practice tip once we're we, we're really dialed in yep. and then you can have that confidence but yeah um i lo- i do prefer fixed blade broadheads in general but sometimes i do revert back to the like something like an expandable like that um if i'm having any issues come up sometimes you i would go out and shoot my bow right before going on a hunt and something's something's stretched mm-hmm. or something's changed and I don't have a whole lot of time so it's easier to get it in tune for a, a expandable than than for a fixed blade so I still use them I, I'm not uh, I'm not opposed to it so I thought you know for you for what we're doing and the, oh. the amount of time I think that's a, a, a usable choice and I've shot two deer already this year and that's the broadhead I used and both of them went down so uh, so it's been working so yeah um well, Dan, I want to thank you for being part of the podcast. Um, I really do appreciate it. Oh, by the way, do you have a picture of the Divine Mercy of Jesus? I don't think so. All right, I wanted to give you this. And um, I want to mention, I'll talk about this maybe next time because I'm, ra- I'm out of time for today. But <laughs> yeah. um, the, the Divine Mercy image is, um, is a really cool thing. And I don't worship this piece of paper. I'm holding it up for those who see the video. It's a piece of paper with a picture of Jesus on it. I do not worship this. I worship Jesus Christ. But this picture helps me focus my mind on Jesus because I don't physically see Jesus standing in front of me when I'm praying sometimes, but I can physically picture him using this image. And so that's what we do. And there's a lot of um, special blessings that come with that. So maybe someday I'll get a chance to talk about the Divine Mercy of Jesus. I wanted to give you that along with the book. Yeah, you can set that you. up in your workspace and yeah. you know you can look up at it sometimes and uh, think of Jesus. So that's the point. You know, it, Something like that, it's a tool to help us keep our minds on Jesus more of the time. So thanks for taking that. 
And thanks for being here. And thank all of you for tuning in, watching, or listening. Uh, until next time, take care and God bless.